0: There's many people who are quote unquote successful that are left at the end of the day wondering, is this it? And so I think the antidote is really being clear and taking the time to reflect and understand whether the games that you're playing are actually the games that you want to be playing. Whether the, the values that you're living by are in fact your own. It's Monday and a new week here at
1: the Next Big Idea Daily, where we bring you key insights from the latest and best nonfiction. I'm your host, Michael Kovnet. And the question of the day is, why do you do your job? Why have you chosen your particular career? Is it for the money, the prestige, or are you one of those people who's followed their passion? Maybe even landed the job of your dreams. There's no right answer to this question, of course. Doing a job to put food on the table or doing it for inner fulfillment can both be noble motivations. And on the other hand, both can be kind of a trap, as we'll get into this week. My guest is journalist Simone Stolzoff, who's written a new book called The Good Enough Job, Reclaiming Life from Work. Simone interviewed dozens of people for the book, people with all sorts of careers, to try to get to the heart of a phenomenon that he refers to as workism. It's the quality of being strongly, maybe too strongly identified with your job. It's a tendency that Simone says has become rampant in America over the last 50 years or so, though other cultures around the world are catching on to the trend too. We'll get into all of this over the course of our conversation, but to start us off, here's Simone to break down the essential difference between extrinsic and intrinsic motivation.
0: Finding intrinsic motivation tends to be more fulfilling than an extrinsic motivation. One of the most famous psychological experiments on motivation, researchers observed how students at a local preschool spent their free time. After identifying which kids chose drawing as their free time activity, they divided the young artists into three groups. One group of students was shown a Good Player Award, a certificate with a gold star, red ribbon and the student's name. The researchers told the students in this group that if they drew, they would receive an award. Group two wasn't shown an award, but if the students chose to draw, they were given one at the end of the session. Group three was not shown or given any awards. Two weeks after the experiment, the researchers returned to the classroom to observe the students again. The students in groups two and three drew just as much after the experiment as they did before, but students in the first group those who expected to receive an award after drawing, now spent less time drawing than they did before the experiment. It wasn't the presence of the award, but the expectation of receiving it that dampened the student's interest in drawing. The researchers concluded that internal satisfaction from an activity may decrease when the promise of an external reward looms. The experiment has since been replicated many times with other groups of students and adults yielding similar results. The career implications from this experiment are straightforward. Working for extrinsic validation alone, like a high salary, a fancy title, or the adult equivalent of a good player award, is less sustainable than pursuing work you enjoy. The experiment proved something we all intuitively know. Working exclusively for external rewards rarely brings lasting fulfillment. As the old saying goes, how much money is enough, Mr. Rockefeller? Just a little bit more.
1: Simone Stolsoff, welcome to the next Big Idea Daily. Thanks for having me, Michael. So your book is The Good Enough Job, Reclaiming Life from Work. And you, you start off by talking to us about intrinsic motivation rather than extrinsic motivation. I kind of wanted to get into this talking about status first of all, because in my mind, status is kind of the most powerful, extrinsic motivator for a lot of us. Do you agree with that? Do you feel that like status is kind of what keeps a lot of people going in directions that might not be the right direction for them to go, but they feel that this is where they need to, to be in order to get the acclaim from the world that they want?
0: Yeah, you know, especially in office environments where our status is explicit, we are ranked based on our job title, and then there are other markers of extrinsic validation, like our compensation or different sort of markers on the totem pole. And you know, it's a, it can be a great motivator for for companies. Having this hierarchy keeps people working longer as you're striving for sort of the next. Wrong on the career ladder. And I don't think it's inherently a problem that Mm -hmm. we have these extrinsic markers of success, but I think the risk is when we are motivated by extrinsic markers Mm -hmm. and not having to consider what we ourselves value. So I think lots of people in their careers, they find themselves in positions where they are climbing a ladder that they don't actually want to be on, or they're playing a game that they don't actually want to win. But because they're just working and motivated by those extrinsic markers they haven't taken the time to consider what they value themselves
1: I've I've looked at your LinkedIn profile and I know you went to some prestigious schools and have been associated with some prestigious companies um, did those just happen to align with your values or were you too part of partly extrinsically motivated do you think by status along the way?
0: Yeah, very much so. And, you know, as I mentioned, I don't think it's necessarily a problem for extrinsic motivators to be a part of your consideration. You know, certainly working at a place like IDEO or going to school at a place like Stanford has afforded me lots of opportunities in my life. I also think that some of these external markers like awards or different ways in which we codify status can create a standard of excellence that drives people Mm -hmm. to do great work or to create important things in the world. I just think that it's important to consider how we can balance those extrinsic motivators that might ultimately just bring fleeting sense of fulfillment or motivation with the extrinsic drives that are candles that can burn longer.
1: How do you think about status now in your own life? Have you let go of it, do you think, as a, as a goal, as a, as a marker
0: of your own success? I don't think entirely, you know, and there's a great irony in that, you know, I've written this book about the culture of work centricity in America. And my name is on the cover, and the success of the book is easily quantifiable mm-hmm. by the number of books that are sold each week.
1: Yeah, those Amazon rankings are very tempting to check periodically, aren't of they? Of course, <laughs> you know,
0: scrolling down like a, a slot machine. But I think that, you know, one thing that I try and keep in mind is a distinction that the journalist David Brooks made in, mm-hmm. a, in a column he wrote a few years back. And he talked about the difference between resume virtues and eulogy virtues. Mm-hmm resume virtues are the things that you might find on your resume. They're the sort of validation from the world from external markers. Whereas eulogy virtues are the things that people might talk about at you know, your funeral. And it might sound dark, but I often try and think about what are the things that I want to be remembered by? How Mm -hmm. can I show up in the world as not just a worker, but also a generous friend and a loyal family member and a committed member of my local community? Mm -hmm. And those things might not be as easy to quantify, but I hope that I'm also with my actions reflecting the ways in which I value them.
1: Yeah, I, I love this anecdote you tell about having a conversation with your mentor when you were deciding whether or not to go to an elite journalism school, I think it was. And she said, if you never could tell anybody that you were going there, would you do it anyway? And I thought it was a really interesting approach.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a way to cut towards our intrinsic motivation. You know, I think. We all know there's a big difference between say reading a book for pleasure or reading a book on assignment in high school. Right. And I think thinking about our motivation can really change our experience of the behavior or the action that we take.
1: Yeah. And and I, the way she phrased the question too it really brings to the forefront like is this something you're doing for validation, you know, because you This will be a flex for you. This will be something you can um, lord over other people. I went to this great school. Or is it something that you want to do for your education, for your experience, for, for your own values, and really trying to separate out those two agendas?
0: Yeah, and it's something I really found in the research for my book. You know, a lot of the people that I profile in the book are "quote unquote" successful. Mm-hmm. You know, they've they've achieved the resume virtues. They have worked their way up whatever greasy pole that they've been trying to work their way up in the corporate world. But for those who didn't also have a keen understanding of what motivated them, they can make it to the top and realize the the perch from the top of the org chart isn't what it was cracked up to be. You know, there's many people who are quote unquote successful that are left at the end of the day wondering, is this it? And so I think the antidote is really being clear and taking the time to reflect and understand whether the games that you're playing are actually the games that you want to be playing whether the the values that you're living by are in fact your own
1: but isn't there sort of a paradox here because as you get into later in the book if you're focused on intrinsic motivation so you know this I want I want to do something that aligns with my values you then have this opposite trap you can fall into of trying to follow your passions, look for a dream job. And I think you get into some of the ways that can be a
0: kind of trap, too. Yeah. I mean, I think there are dangers at either extreme. If you are solely living by what the market values, you can find yourself, you know, On a ladder that you don't actually want to be on. But as you mentioned, I think there are risks on the other end of the spectrum as well. If you're only making career decisions based on what you value, it can put you in a situation where, for example, you're assuming a lot of debt to go to pursue a degree that might not lead to stable job prospects on the other end, or you want to go all in to pursue your art, but you're so preoccupied with how you're going to pay rent that you can't actually focus on the art that you hope to create. And so I think the balance that we have to strike is holding those both in each hand. On Mm -hmm. one hand, there's what the world values. and the other hand, there's what you value and trying to find a career or a job that marries the two.
1: Yeah. And I guess that kind of leads to your title, the good enough job, you know, finding something that that lines up with your values, but. Not necessarily perfectly, you know, not necessarily your own ideal, nor necessarily the most prestigious, most high paying job, but something that works that lets you have a life so that you can have a rich life outside of work.
0: Yeah. I think my favorite thing about the title or the framework is that it's intentionally subjective. Mm -hmm. You know, good enough is something that you can define for yourself. And maybe for you, it is a job that has a certain title or pays a certain amount of money. And maybe for someone else, it's a job that gets off at a certain hour so that they can pick up their kids from school or go on that afternoon bike ride. But I think the overarching point is that rather than thinking about the job at the center and then pushing the rest of our lives into the margins, how can we start with our vision of a life well-lived and then think about ways in which our job or our career can support that?
1: Pretty solid advice there from Simone Stolzoff. Tomorrow, he'll be back to ask if you'd rather make more money at your job or get more time off. You might think your answer to that question is personal, but your response might be more cultural and generational than you realize. By the way, if you're enjoying this show, I'd love it if you could give it a rating and review on your podcast player. That'll help others find it. Thanks, and I'll see you tomorrow.